number six. Uh, we've just turned the page here and uh, now we're going to talk a little bit more about the home and uh, what that home life should look like. I believe it should be spirit-filled. And uh, as Paul mentions here uh, in Ephesians 6 that we're going to take a look at, um, he's really kind of given us this whole big picture of the home. I mean, we've already, we've already covered about uh, in Ephesians 5 there about uh, submitting to one another. Um, and then we talked about uh, how wives are supposed to submit to their husbands and how husbands are supposed to, to uh, love their wives. And really all of this stems from this passage there in Ephesians 5 about being spirit-filled. Um, because I believe you cannot uh, faithfully submit to one another uh, without being spirit-filled. I believe that uh, wives uh, cannot really submit to their husbands without being spirit-filled. I believe that uh, husbands cannot really love their wives uh, the way that Christ loves the church without being spirit-filled. And as we're going to look at here today about children, I believe that children uh, need to be spirit-filled as well. Uh, in order for there to be harmony in the home, every believer in Christ should be spirit-filled. It uh, means they ought to be submitting to the uh, working of the Holy Spirit in their life, allowing the Holy Spirit to teach them and guide them into truth and be uh, submitting to the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to change them. And so we're going to look here specifically in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And uh, Paul will use, uh, use more of this, uh, this idea about being spirit-filled as he talks about um, uh, slaves and masters in uh, verses 5 through 9. But really, we're going to look at uh, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And the main idea is this. The spirit-filled home is one where children obey and honor their parents and fathers, nurture their children in the Lord. So let me say that again. The spirit-filled home is one where children obey and honor their parents and fathers nurture their children in the Lord. Now, I do realize that I'm probably the least qualified person to be talking about uh, children's obedience, okay? Have you met my daughter yet? <laughs> um, so... Uh, but I want to give us what the scriptures teach, not what uh, my opinion may be. But I, I really want to give us what the scriptures say about all of this. And uh, I know that we have um, some young parents in here. And uh, I think it would be helpful as as parents, uh, or maybe even, uh, maybe you've had older, uh, uh, maybe you're older and you have children that have already grown, um, I think it would be helpful, you know, as, uh, as parents to talk with one another, um, share. That's what the Bible teaches us about uh, the older teaching the younger. That's healthy. That's good. Uh, that's what should be happening. And so in this message, we're only going to deal with this first part of here is a spirit-filled home is where children should be obeying and honoring their parents. And so what do I want you to take away with you today? That a spirit-filled home is where children obey and honor their parents. So let's take a look here at this uh, passage here. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honoring your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you 
and that you may live long in the land. Now, to whom is Paul speaking when he says children? I mean, he says, he says children. Now, is he talking about a specific age group? Um, this word children can be used to refer to children of varying ages. Um, now, obviously, I think Paul is speaking to children old enough to understand uh, the command because he's writing to them directly. He's not saying, parents, now teach your children. He's saying children. I mean, he's, he's talking to them like as if they can understand. So can you imagine if, uh, if we were living back in the first century and we got a letter from Paul and uh, you were maybe a child that knew how to read and you hear the command, children, oh, he's talking to me. And so that's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about children that were old enough to understand this command because he addresses them directly. And they could have ranged, I, I would believe, from the very young to even perhaps even young adults that were still living at home. Now, as long as a child, I believe, is single and dependent on his or her parents for financial support, he or she is obligated to obey them. Uh, unless they command him to do something that uh, would require disobeying God. So if you're a child that is still living at home and you are dependent upon your parents' financial support, meaning you're not paying the bills, you are eating their food, you're uh, wearing the clothes that they buy for you, then you have an obligation to obey your parents. Um, and even as adults, uh, we should respect our parents' counsel because he talks more. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. But then he adds this, honor your father and your mother. And so even as uh, adults, we still have an obligation to honor our parents. And we should respect their, their counsel and only really go against it if after much prayer and consideration, we believe that this is the right course that I should take. Uh, I think it's a very healthy thing for you as, a, as, a, as an adult, if your parents are still living, uh, for you to talk to your parents and, and ask them questions. Say, what do you think about this situation? Uh, what, what do you think about this? Ask them. Get their opinion. Now, you may not like what they have to say. You know, oh, okay, all right, fine. And then you may do something else. But that's still honoring them and respecting them uh, in, that, uh, in that sense. So really, this command to honor our parents is lifelong if your parents are still living. So our text here applies to all of us whose parents are still alive. And if you have children still at home, uh, it is your responsibility, mom and dad, to help them understand and obey this important command of obeying the authority that God has placed over them. Now, since this command is part of this spirit-filled life, that we are supposed to be spirit-filled, um, we must understand that a child needs to be spirit-filled as well in order to obey this command. Um, and so to be spirit-filled means to be controlled by the Spirit. Now, my daughter is definitely controlled by a spirit. I would definitely say it's probably not the spirit. Um, but Paul is talking here saying in order for children to really faithfully obey their parents, they need to be spirit-filled. Uh, and it happens as we walk daily in submission to the spirit. Now, this is assuming that this child knows Christ. That's what Paul is saying here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
And so if this child has had a genuine conversion experience in coming to know Christ, Paul is urging them, obey your parents. Be spirit-filled by obeying them. Now, I know that many of us here, myself included, um, might have a child that does not yet know the Lord. So how does this command work for them? So are, we, are you saying, Mike, that only a spirit-filled child can obey their parents? No. Uh, what I'm saying here is that children should be spirit-filled, but what about a child who does not know the Lord? How does this command specifically apply to them? Well, let me give you a couple things to consider. Number one, every parent should pray for and seek to lead his children to genuine saving faith in Christ. The purpose of the law, the purpose of God's commands is not so that if we obey the commands that we gain eternal life. The purpose of God's commands is to show us that we are a wretched, vile, horrible sinner in need of God's grace. And so as a parent, what we are supposed to do is we should be pointing our children who do not yet know Christ, showing them you are disobeying God's commands. And that command, those, those, the, the law has consequences towards it. I believe that even if a child does not yet not know Christ, they should still be obeying the authority of God that he has placed in their lives. And so when a child disobeys, there are consequences. Uh, one thing that I, we're doing right now with Evelyn is when she disobeys, we sit down with her and we, we talk with her um, very kindly and, and ask her, say, you know, what did you do? I disobeyed. What specifically did you do? I did this. Okay. What did we say what would happen if you did this? What is the consequence for doing this? We want to drill it in her head that there is a consequence for disobedience. And so we're trying to point her to say, listen, there is foolishness that is bound up in your heart. There is disobedience that you are, that you are engaging in. We want to help you. We want to point you to the right way. And so when a child disobeys, there should be consequences. And as the parent, you are called to administer those consequences. Um, Evelyn is in this thing right now where she asks for little consequences. <laughs> because those consequences don't hurt as much. <laughs> so we're trying to help her with this. And at the same time, I think we should be restressing the reality of sin and faithfully teaching them the gospel pointing them to Jesus, say, listen, Jesus doesn't want you to behave like this. Jesus wants you to love your parents. Jesus wants you to obey your parents. And you're trying to stress the reality of sin, trying to stress the reality that they need Christ. Um, our goal should not be to just get that child to repeat a prayer or to do some magic formula. Our goal should be to point them to Christ and see them put their faith in Jesus, genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Because genuine conversion is when God miraculously brings a person from spiritual death 
to eternal life. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who does that. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts. Listen to what he says in John 16, 8 through 11. Jesus said, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will prove the world wrong concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. So when a person is convicted of his sin, he sees his true guilt before a holy God. And he understands that Jesus is the only means by the way that he can have his sins forgiven, that he can have peace with God, that he can be reconciled to God. And that is nothing that that we concoct ourselves. That is a personal revealing of Christ to that person by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we as parents should be praying for our child that God would reveal to them that they are truly a sinner before God and that they need reconciliation through Jesus Christ. And it's the power and the working of the Holy Spirit that does that. And so when that person believes in Jesus, they receive a full pardon and eternal life as God's gift. And so this is what God is doing and is working in this child's life as you are raising them and trying to teach them to obey their parents. Now, if you're thinking, well, Mike, he or she is only five or eight, they really don't understand all this salvation stuff. This is why we are called to preach the gospel. This is the reason why husbands and wives are to model the gospel in our relationship. Our children will see it. They will see how the husband is sacrificially giving towards his wife. And they'll see how the wife is faithfully submitting to the husband. And so when you break down that family, uh, the way that God has designed it, there's a breakdown of the gospel in the home. Because if you think that your child, by coming to a a church service or hanging out in a youth group or something like that, is going to get all the gospel that they need, uh, that is a far cry from reality. It should be modeled in the home. So teach them faithfully that Jesus can save them from their sins. Pray for your child's conversion. Secondly, every child who has professed faith in Jesus needs to be taught how to be spirit-filled so that they may continue to obey this command. Now, as believers, we know that we don't always demonstrate the filling of the Spirit, do we? No. Boy, there are many times that old Mike comes out, and old Mike is mean, hateful, he's selfish, he's unkind, he's ruthless. And I got to put old Mike back in the ground. And so even as, even as a child, you shouldn't expect your child to faithfully always be showing the fruits of the Spirit in their life. Because why? Because for one, uh, they might be spiritually immature and there's just not really that much of a, of a developmental physically, mentally in the, on that aspect as well. 
but we should be teaching them how to be spirit-filled. And so there should be a discernible change, I believe. You know, you, as a parent, you should be looking and saying, there has been a discernible change in that child's behavior. They don't want to displease mom and dad. They want to do what's right. They want to follow the teachings of the word. And as a parent, you're wise to discern that and help them and enable them and continue teaching them what does the scripture really say. And so Christian parents should explain to their children that have professed faith in Christ how to be filled with the spirits so that they grow in obedience to their parents. So there's an importance of being spirit-filled here. And that importance is children, obey your parents in the Lord. Let's look at the second part of this. Secondly, children must obey and honor their parents. So if we're going to have a spirit-filled home, children must obey and honor their parents. Paul writes here in Ephesians 6.1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, when he says, by in the Lord, Paul is not saying, obey your parents only if they are in the Lord, meaning that is if they're Christians, nor does he mean obey your parents only when you think their decisions are in line with what you think the Lord wants. Little spankings, you know, little, little spankings, right? What he is saying here, he means it is your duty in the Lord, child, to obey your parents. In other words, to please the Lord, you must obey your parents. Now, there might be times of grudging Obedience, like, okay, all right, if I have to, okay? I remember growing up, um, me and my brother and my sister, um, there were a few times that, you know, parents would want us to do things. And I remember my brother, this was just, it was like classic. It's like one of these things that always sticks out in your mind. Um, my dad told him to do something, and my brother was like, I'm not the flash. Boy, that was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> because he hopped up and got to work and doing what he should have been doing after some, some communication that needed to be instructed. Okay? But we should be obeying, children should be obeying by cheerful obedience from the heart. This attitude of a, a spirit-filled child should be really out of thankfulness because if that child knows Christ, their attitude should be, because Christ has changed me, because Christ has regenerated me and made me a new person in Christ, then out of obedience to the Lord, I want to please him, and so I'm going to obey the authority that God has placed in my life as well. Now, when Paul says here, look what he says when he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. He's really pointing out the obvious order that, that God has ordained. Parents are always older and more experienced than children are. How many of you remember your child doing something and you remember doing that exact same thing and you're like, don't do that, Right? Because you know the outcome of what's going to happen. When Mark Twain said that when he was 17, 
He was amazed at how stupid his father was. But by the time he turned 21, he was surprised at how much the old man had learned in four years. (laughs) Notice the second verse in this passage. Paul cites this fifth commandment. He says, honor your father and mother. I mean, he uses it in quotes. Honor your father and your mother. And then he adds this phrase in the parentheses. He says, which is the first commandment with promise. This is the first commandment with a promise. Now, as you know, the Ten Commandments may be divided up into two sections, and really they focus on the greatest commandment. Remember uh, when the uh, person came to Jesus and he says, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, uh, what? Love Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and... Love your neighbor as yourself. So really, that greatest commandment is divided up here in these uh, Ten Commandments. The first four commandments spell out what it means to love our Lord our God. Here they are, not to have any other gods before him, not to make or serve any idols, not to take his name in vain, and to keep the Sabbath day holy. The last six commands spell out for us how to love our neighbor as we do, in fact, love ourselves. Here's the first one, to honor our parents, not to murder, to commit adultery, to steal, to bear false witness, or covet anything belonging to our neighbor. So the commandment to honor our parents is really foundational to keeping all the commandments that follow. Because if we truly honor our parents, we will not disgrace their name by becoming a murderer, or committing adultery, or stealing, or lying, or by the greed and discontent, underlying covetousness that may be bound up in our hearts. And so honoring our parents is foundational to all other relationships and duties in life. So what does this command mean to honor our parents? This word honor in the Old Testament is a word that has a meaning of weight or heaviness. Um, It is the same word that is often used when it's translated about the glory in reference to the Lord, meaning the Lord has glory, it has weight or heaviness. To glorify the Lord is to attach the utmost high, the utmost weight or significance to who he is and what he does. It means to assign him the highest place because he is worthy of it. Now, the opposite of glorifying God would be to treat him lightly, to not have weight or heaviness, to kind of just brush him off as if he doesn't really matter, um, or to teach him as if he's, to treat him as if he's insignificant. Now, in the New Testament, the word honor carries with it the meaning of value. So, the Old Testament, you have the word honor meaning weight or heaviness. It's often meaning that you're ascribing this person as having honor, you're you're ascribing them greatness. And then in the New Testament, the word honor has the idea of having value. So when we put these two ideas together, we can see about honoring our parents means to have an attitude of respect for them that stems from the fact that we greatly value them and the contribution they've made to our lives. To honor our parents is to assign a high place of value to them. 
And this attitude of respect that we should have should be courteous. It should, uh, it should esteem a loving, courteous behavior towards them. We honor them. We value them as our parents. And this is lifelong for all of us who still have parents. It's a lifelong thing. So this command to honor our parents here, look what he says. There's a promise that's attached to this. Because he says, again in quotes, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now we should honor our parents because God promises a blessing to those who do. Now, I want to kind of maybe pick your brain a little bit here because I've often heard this as, well, if you honor your mom and dad, you'll live forever. You'll live, you'll live a very long life. Now, yeah, that's, I've seen that, right? But Paul here is citing directly from two Old Testament sources. One of them is Exodus chapter 20, verse number 12. And the other one is Deuteronomy chapter 5, Verse number 16. Now this promise was given to Israel. And here's the promise. Okay, the promise was that they would dwell in the land of Palestine for a long time. And that things would go well with them there. So if that was for Israel, then why did Paul include it here for these Gentile Christians? Why would he say... It may be well with you and that you'll live there a long time or that you may live long in the land. What does this mean for us? There is some application for us in this promise. Here they are. Number one, children who are disobedient to their parents are contributing to a breakdown in society. Disobedience to parents is one of the marks of those whom God has given over to their depraved rebellion. Listen to what uh, Romans 1.30 says, it says, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, contrivers of all sorts of evil, disobedient to parents. It's also a mark of the godless of the last days, as 2 Timothy 3.2 points out. For people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful and unholy. And so when children disobey and dishonor their parents, they do not respect any authority, including the law of the land. So life does not go well with them with a disrespectful child because he may end up in prison or dead. A child who disrespects their parents, who does not disobey their parents, has a problem with all authority. And that will reflect in their life. Many of us know people or you maybe even said, do you want to wind up in prison? You're headed that way. This is all stems because a person does not disrespect, because a person disrespects their parents. Secondly, there's a general principle that obedient children will live long on the earth, whereas disobedient children do not. I mean, that's kind of what we see from this promise that he's saying. But we all know of godly children who have died young. And we all know of sinful rebels who live to be a ripe old age. 
But those who rebel against parents and get into drinking, drugs, sexual immorality are more likely to die young than those who avoid such destructive sins. So whatever age we die, whether it's young or old, a person is truly blessed if they obey this command because we have his promise of eternal life free from all the trials of this life. So when he says obey because there's a promise, yes, there is a promise, but it may not necessarily mean that you're going to live a really long life. He's saying you will be blessed if you obey your parents here. You will be blessed if you follow what the word of God says. Thirdly, you will either obey God or Satan. That's really the only two options. There's no in-between. There's no, I'm going to choose this. I'm going to choose kind of in the middle here. Um, Because if you rebel against the authority of your parents and follow the so-called wisdom of this world, all right, you have put yourself under Satan's authority. And with these two choices, you're either going to submit to God or you're going to submit to Satan. That's it. And so if you submit to the devil, the God of this world, he has an army of evil people promoting a lifestyle of rebellion against God. And his words, Satan is really not a friendly master. I mean, we see it in in our world and our culture today, all of the disrespect, all of the hatred towards God. And if you are disobeying your parents, really you're saying, I want to follow Satan. I want to follow what Satan says here. Now, of course, Satan doesn't appear in a, in a red jumpsuit with a horn and tail and a pitchfork. That's not Satan. Because the Bible says that he has the ability to transform himself as an angel of light. So when he promotes himself, he looks good. Sounds good. But it sounds, that sounds really good. And he appeals to your desire for immediate gratification through sex and drugs. He promises you freedom from stifling rules. He appears uh, and he appeals to the pride in your own sinful heart. He appeals to your intellect, thinking that you, uh, you're thinking of yourself more better than, than others. Well, I'm, I'm really right in all this. Everyone else is just an idiot. And he, he appeals to you in that way. But when you follow him, you become a slave of corruption. When you follow God by obeying and honoring your parents, it will be well with you in the long run. Why? Because even though it may be difficult just for a season, (laughs) but there's some eternal advantages to all of that. Remember this. This is all about reflecting God's glory in Jesus Christ to a lost world. And so when you obey your parents, when you listen to them, when you honor them, you are reflecting what Christ has done for you in your heart and you are submitting to Christ and people will see a difference in that. Let's pray together.